is Jim, and welcome back. Uh, I'm going to try something a little bit different today. Uh, I've decided to rename this thing. So far from the beginning, I've been calling it Prosaic Mosaic, and I decided to rename it to Sophistic Soliloquy, so the title of it is a little bit more self-descriptive. Uh, I guess why I rebranded. You know, that's the fancy corporate term for uh, for renaming yourself, right? <laughs> uh, so I want to try something a little bit different uh, here today. I always say at the beginning of all these episodes, this podcast was basically a something I started as a way of talking to myself in a socially acceptable manner during the shelter-in-place uh, ish order, you know, early on in the coronavirus pandemic in early 2020. Um, just something I was doing while living alone, and that I really never planned to make this anything. It's just sort of me turning on a recording device and rambling at length. And I tend to do that pretty readily. Like I will, I will turn this on and sort of verbally meander around a whole bunch of uh, disjointed topics for maybe a matter of hours. And I've kind of decided to try something different today. Instead of doing that, I'm going to focus on one topic. I'm going to keep the topic. Uh, I'm going to keep the the length of this short and manageable, so that people may enjoy listening to it. And instead of having it be like me telling personal anecdotes, like doing something of a diary with the occasional helpful information interspersed, I'm going to make the helpful information the focus of the thing with the occasional diversion into an anecdote where I think it backs up the point. And so what I want to talk about today is love at first sight. And this is, of course, a controversial topic. This is a great dinner conversation. Actually, if you ask somebody, do you believe in love at first sight, you will probably get different answers and it may actually start some sort of debate. Uh, I personally don't believe in love at first sight. I happen to, maybe it's because I idealize love. I tend to think that it is a very deep and profound emotion. And I think that it is something that is built up over time and through concerted effort and not something that just strikes you in the moment. So I don't think I believe in love at first sight, but I do believe in some sort of strong infatuation uh, on first interaction. I do believe that when you first encounter a person, it's possible for you to develop some sort of strong feeling for the person, but I would not call that love. Uh, and so what I want to talk about in particular is the concept of psychological projection. Now, projection is a something of an overloaded topic in psychology. It does have a very simple definition, but if you actually dive into psychological literature, which I've done some of, not a lot, you will find different definitions. And even people that are using roughly the same definition, they use it to describe slightly different concepts. So instead of diving into all of those, I just want to touch upon one particular one, and that is that is the one that pertains to uh, romantic attraction at first sight or at first encounter. And this is going back to a concept that I learned from Jung, which is to say that when you first encounter something which is empty and unknowable, like you, if, it, if there's a, a blank in your understanding of something, we tend to fill those gaps with knowledge from within ourselves. And this isn't as complicated as it sounds. 
Uh, I once heard in a speech by a leadership writer, John Maxwell, say that whatever you know to be true about yourself, you will tend to assume of people that you meet when you first meet them. So if you are a compassionate person, you will tend to assume that other people you've just met are compassionate. If you're a somewhat temperamental person or emotional person and you're somewhat unstable, you'll tend to assume that other people are the same way and you will treat them as such. It's basically saying, I don't know the other person, so I'm going to assume until I know better that they're exactly like me. That's basically the idea. Now, I think that there's some, some element of that that is going on when you're talking about the thing that we call love at first sight. There is some form of projection that is going on, but I think there's a little bit more to it than what I just described. Because you don't just assume that the other person is like you. You assume that the other person is something slightly more than they are. And this is probably necessary because it's very, very difficult. I think it would be impossible if it was all just logical analysis. Like you meet somebody and you say, do I want to engage with them? Are they a suitable mate? If that were all there was to it, it would become a very, if it was intellectual like that, I think very few people would end up hooking up and quite possibly the species would go extinct. So there has to be some other mechanism here that draws people together, some other magnetism beyond just intellectual understanding and evaluation. Now, before I get into this, the question may come up, why exactly are you talking about this? Who am I and what qualifies me to be uh, telling you about this? I would say that there's very little that qualifies me. Um, I am not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I have never formally studied psychology. I have only had experiences and read psychological literature in an attempt to understand them. And so I have I have a kind of operative understanding and a way of describing it that I think may be useful to other people. And that is what I intend to share here. The second reason is that I have talked about a lot of these concepts in the past. I've thrown them out and I've said, here is what I think. Um, but that was all just based on theoretical understanding. It, this all started at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. This was when I discovered the writings of Carl Jung, and I decided to spend my shelter-in-place alone time during the pandemic, uh, analyzing myself, befriending my own demons, and trying to trying to figure out what was going inside of me and trying to iron out the wrinkles and the creases, so to speak. So this is what I've been podcasting about. I've been saying, I, I, I learned this concept and I think it applies to my life because, but that has all been theoretical. For the most part, my life has been like a lot of other people's. It's been removed from a lot of socializing. And so I haven't had the chance to put these concepts into practice. Now, in the last month or so, uh, I had an experience with a girl that was of something of a romantic nature. I wouldn't say we had a relationship, but there was an experience. And it allowed me to put all of this self-understanding that I've developed over the last two years into practice. And that gives me a sense of how well my understanding, um, how my understanding has grown and how it helps me in my, in potentially future encounters with uh, 
future romantic potential partners. And so it seems that what I've learned and a lot of what I've speculated might be true holds up at least in at least in the reality that I've experienced with one person in the last month or so. And so for that reason, I want to share this while it's fresh in my mind. And because I think that there actually is some real experience here that may benefit others. So what I would say is that I have never really experienced the thing that people refer to as love at first sight until last month. Uh, there was a girl, the girl that I mentioned, approached me in a coffee shop and struck up conversation with me, and there was immediately a spark. We talked about this later, um, but there was an immediate sense of rapport. The conversation seemed to flow very, very naturally. It was though we had known each other for years and we already understood each other, and there was definitely something else there. There was definitely a feeling, a very strong feeling of something. Uh, and I would say that nothing about it, as far as I could tell, was sexual. It seemed to be something romantic. There was an interest on my part. I don't know how she felt, but she said that she felt something pretty strong as well, uh, right from the get-go. So that initial spark that's mutual, I've never had that before. And it was a very interesting experience. It was It was a new experience for me, and I was approaching it very, very carefully, trying to figure out how to deal with it. So it's for that reason that I want to talk about this particular subject. Um, so there is a word for this. Um, I don't think it's unintuitive when you tell somebody, when you first meet a person, you're not really seeing the other person. That initial feeling you have when you meet somebody and you kind of fall for them, if you will, whatever you want to call it, you develop a crush. You're not really seeing who the other person actually is. You can't know somebody that deeply, that quickly. So your brain, of course, makes a lot of assumptions. And this is where the concept of projection comes in. What you don't know, you fill in the gaps with what you think might be true or probably more accurately what you desire to be true about the other person. There's a kind of idealization that takes place here. You project a sort of ideal onto them. There's a sort of mold that you want them to fit into, that you hope they fit into. That's what you're hoping for. Now, I believe there's a word for this. The thing that people call love at first sight or infatuation at first encounter, if you will, is called limerence. Limerence is the projection of this kind. Limerence is a kind of infatuation or fondness for one particular other person with the hope of reciprocal feelings from the other person that tends to produce romantic fantasizing, which is based on an idealization of the other person and not necessarily the other person. Now, there's a lot of definitions to limerence. There's a lot of nuances. For my purposes here, that is the definition I am using. And so what I think I felt for this girl was limerence. It was a kind of projection. It was a kind of, there is an immediate rapport here. 
she's very easy to talk to. And there is something about her beyond her physical appearance and beyond something I can't. Essentially, my response was involuntary and emotional. It wasn't like I sat there and thought about it. And I was like, well, it would be great if her and I worked out somehow because I just felt something. And that's very, very unusual, uh, at least for me. Actually, I think that's unusual for everybody. I don't think you experience that very many times in your life. Your average person doesn't. And so I think it's important to understand these sorts of things. It's important to understand that when you meet somebody and there is this infatuation that develops and progresses, the understanding that you probably are projecting and idealizing, and I think equally important, possibly more important, is the knowledge that the other person is probably doing the same thing to you. Reading a lot of Jungian psychology, uh, there is a popular idea that there's this notion that we tend to have that somebody says, I am happy. And that tends to translate to, I have a happy feeling. I have happiness. And I think we tend to think of ourselves as being in possession of our emotions. We are happy means we have happiness. We are sad means we have sadness. And there's an idea in that's expressed by Jungian psychologists in their writings, which says that that's actually backwards. That we do not have emotions, but instead emotions possess us. And whether or not that's true in the strictly scientific sense, I don't know. But I think it is a, is a helpful way of thinking about this. If you consider a negative emotion, something like anger, ultimately what you want to do is, well, the thing that people do in order to deal with their anger in a healthy fashion is called anger management. You essentially want to manage your emotion. And that entails becoming aware when you are feeling angry in the moment, recognizing that fact in the moment and choosing to manage your emotions instead of allowing the anger itself to manage you. And people would often say, if people say in hindsight that they have an experience where they get angry and lose their temper, and after the fact they tend to say, I don't know who that was. That didn't feel like me. And so it makes sense the way we think about it when we say things like that. Yes, negative emotions often have us. Sadness seems to come upon us. Anger seems to come upon us. Now, there may be an outside trigger, but we're not choosing to have the emotional response. It's choosing to have us. It possesses us like some sort of demon or perhaps an angel. And that is the point, is that we tend to think of ourselves as being possessed and being controlled 
by negative emotions, but we don't really think about ourselves as being possessed by positive emotions. Or if we do, we don't think that managing them is necessary. I mean, who, who develops a crush on another person and thinks to themselves, this is something I need to manage? You just kind of go with it, right? You want to manage the negative stuff because you want control over that. But who wants to control that, that swimmy feeling you have when you meet somebody and you fall for them? You don't want to try and manage that. That, that ruins the whole, I mean, poets would be appalled by this. Um, that being said, I think it is probably about as important, uh, to manage our positive emotions, something like limerence, the infatuation at first sight. Uh, it's, it is important, as important to manage those emotions as it is to manage anger. It's possibly more important to manage that because if you make a mistake in courtship, and you pursue the wrong person for the wrong reasons because you did not know what you were doing or what was going inside of you, what was motivating you, you could end up in a very, very big mess. It be a very, very complicated situation. And so I think it is important to remain aware of where one is projecting in these situations, in these sort of infatuations. Now, getting back to Jungian psychology, Jung's idea was that every man has a sort of feminine part of his psyche in his unconscious, and every woman has a masculine part to her, which is in her unconscious. And when two people meet, two heterosexuals meet for the first time, the man, in terms of projecting an ideal onto the woman is projecting his inner feminine side, his inner anima. And the woman is projecting her inner animus, her inner masculine part onto the man. Now, whether or not that is true, I really can't validate whether or not that concept makes sense, but I, I think that that is a useful construct which has operative value in terms of what I'm talking about here. Because it's not that you're projecting the person, uh, like you're not projecting onto the person what you think you are or what it is you might be. There is something more to it. And so if a man has an unconscious feminine impression, an impression of what it is that is feminine that he hopes to connect with for whatever reason, it makes sense that the source of that could be the feminine part in the man. A man does not project himself onto a woman when he's in this kind of limerence. But it would make sense if there was some part of a man that sort of contained a sort of template definition for a woman, and that is what he is projecting. And the same would be true for the woman and her animus, the masculine piece being projected onto the man. So these things don't come from nowhere. And we don't see only ourselves in someone else when we're projecting like this. And so the key here, I've sort of outlined what's going on. As far as what can be done about it, this is much more difficult to say. 
and I don't want to dive into this too much. Essentially, what I wanted to cover in this podcast, I have already covered, which is to say, when you meet somebody and you fall for them in the romantic sense, you are probably projecting and you're not seeing them accurately. I have run this idea by a few people in the last month, people a bit younger than me, and they don't quite understand the concept. They don't quite understand what I'm getting at. And I think that is my concern. My concern is that I think this happens. This probably happens almost universally. And if you're not aware of it, then the whole emotional experience of being in limerence will control you and make you do things, and you will not be aware of it. Now, my experience with this girl in the past month made me understand that I was projecting. Right from the get-go, I assumed, I am probably assuming things about this woman that are not true. And so whatever sense I had of her, whatever I felt about her, whatever I assumed to be true about her, I enumerated those beliefs and I said, well, where is the evidence that that is true? How do you know that to be true? What about your experience with her would lead you to believe that this is a fact? And I sort of picked things apart and I realized there are quite a few things that I was assuming. There were a lot of assumptions going into my impression of her. And so this allowed me to, one, develop intelligent questions that I could ask her that would be designed to get at those hidden pieces, designed to kill the assumptions. Um, and it allowed me to operate uh, with an understanding of what it is I actually knew, coming from as close to truth as possible. If you're going by an assumption and you don't know that you're going by an assumption and somebody acts against that assumption, if somebody acts in a way that you didn't expect because you expected them to be different, if you don't know what you're doing, that can be a frustrating thing. So it's key. I think it is critical to understand where you're projecting how and why and to try and close those knowledge gaps. Now, as far as the other person, you should understand that the other person is probably projecting an ideal onto you. And if you want to just have fun with the person, then don't, don't think too hard about this. Just go with it. Just experience the whole thing. But if you're trying to size them up for being a potential long-term romantic partner, and you want to get at the answer as quickly as possible, if you want to assess true compatibility as quickly as possible, then your job is to dissolve that projection just as soon as possible. You want to show the other person who you really are, and you want to bring them to disillusionment. You want to, you want to under, uncover, how, by whatever means you can, the assumptions that they are making about you and you want to correct the ones that you notice are incorrect. And if you don't know where to start here, I would say begin with 
disagreement because it occurred to me very early on in the experience with this girl last month that she was projecting onto me and she was seeing me for something that I was not. This was of great concern to me. I was hoping that something might work out, but I was like, the only way I'm going to know for sure is if I can show her who I really am and I can shatter this illusion that she has of me, which means you lean into conflict. It doesn't mean you start becoming argumentative or disagreeable, but it means that where you find a difference in your opinions, where you don't quite share the same belief or value, you don't hesitate to share that. You share it. You say, I hear what you're saying, and I see why you think that, but I disagree, and here's what I think, and here's why. You don't shy away from that. You try and do that, at least in the places where it counts, where the places where it seems to matter. And so this will help undermine whatever assumptions the other person has made about you. And this definitely worked for me. There was a day where I did this probably more than any other, and I think that was the day where the entire mood of the relationship shifted. The, the day before that, she was saying, I can see us being together for a while because I really like you. And the day after that, two days later, she was very withdrawn and had done a complete 180 in terms of her personality and what she was, how she was acting towards me. And I was like, okay, I think, I think that I have finally broken through and I think she's seeing me for who I am. She's no longer in this limerence bit. And yeah, this is, this is what you want to accomplish if you're trying to assess compatibility. That's it. It's really as simple as that. I don't have a whole lot more to add. Um, what I would say is that from your perspective, as you are dissolving your own sense of fantasy, that you have about the other person as you are getting to know the actual other person. And this is displacing the fantasy idea that you have of the other person. It is up to you to choose how to respond to that. It is up to you to choose whether or not you let yourself decide you don't like the person, whether or not you decide you're not compatible with the person, whether or not you want to friend zone them or cut them out of your life. It really is up to you. And that's, that is, I think, that was the trickiest part for me because as I became somewhat disillusioned, as I became aware of who she was and how much that didn't gel with the fantasy I had had about her initially, I had to decide how do I let this affect my feelings? Is this person important enough? Do I sense something? Do I still sense enough compatibility that I want to maintain the feelings and not let them just dissipate? because the fantasy is gone. Do you work through that? How do you work through that? I can't tell you how, and I certainly can't tell you in your situation whether or not you should, but this would be my thesis. Next time you meet somebody and you have this sense of 
falling for them. This is happening. This is almost certainly happening. This is nature attempting to fool you into producing babies. And there is nothing wrong with that. But if you're trying to be strategic about your approach to your own life and seeking out some sort of partner, you want to be aware of what is happening and you want to know how to manage it. Because if you do not, you will have a crush, you will be in this limerence, you will project, you will have a fantasy. And as soon as reality dissolves the projection for you, if you do not take steps to do it, if you're not aware of what is happening, you will react very poorly to the situation. Or you may react poorly to the situation. You'll be frustrated. Something will be happening inside of you. You'll be confused about why this person is suddenly different. And it's the lack of awareness that makes this sort of thing very difficult to handle. I have been through this with no awareness. I've been through it with some awareness. And just this last experience I had in the last month, I've been through it with very, very intense, constant awareness and using that awareness in order to manage the situation. And I would say I didn't handle everything perfectly, but managing it strategically was way better and way less emotionally taxing than any of the other times in the past when I've dealt with this unknowingly. So that is it. That is all for me. Uh, my hope is that for all you lovebirds out there, that you are happy with one another. And I hope that you continue to be happy where it makes sense for you. So um, that is why I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this may reach somebody and it helps you work something out with somebody that you deeply care about um, or share it with a friend. I guess I'm supposed to do that, right? If this is a podcast and it's legitimate, I'm supposed to ask you to share it. Um, Self-promotion. Tell your friends about Sophistic Soliloquy or don't. It's fine. I'm enjoying doing this just for myself. So anyway, wherever you are, I hope you're doing well. Until next time, this is Jim signing off. You take care. Cheers.